thrust. Put on Cywar off. Sing it loud. And the Romeo Fox God, shall we dance? You are listening to the Citrep Podcast. Your source for everything related to historical wargaming. Whether you are looking for the latest wargaming news, reviews, painting tutorials, or playthroughs, you will hear about it right here. So grab your favorite beverage or brush and let's hit it. All right, everybody. So welcome to the show. Uh, This is Wolfman Jack. No, not really. It's Bill. Um, I am under the weather. I thought I had the COVID. I actually lost all sense of taste and smell on Friday, so I had to get tested. Uh, so, but thankfully, it's just whatever's been crap's been going around. But on top of that, we have the entire crew back together. Yes, you heard that right. Somehow, the stars aligned and everybody is together again. I feel like we need a kumbaya. So, yeah, Woo-hoo. joining me today, all the way over from merry old England, out of the okay. field, fresh and ready to go. There you go. Mr. Gaz, how are you, sir? I am good, thank you. I am back in my own bed space, which is always nice. (laughs) (laughs) Outstanding. And then, in sunny Florida, our historical guru, Mr. Big Jim Ariskany. Sir, how are you today? Hello, how's everyone doing? Good to hear your voice, Jim. And here in the Midwest where we've got some kind of sun and actually heat today. It's actually over 70 degrees today, is Marty. Yeah, that's right. From America's heartland, here we go. And Chris. Hello. How y'all doing? All right. Like I said, this is Bill, SitRep6, as they like to call me. Um, You know, the Taskmaster themselves, we are ready to rock and roll on this fine Sunday. So, as we'd like to start off, we're going to do some hobbying. I'm going to start because it's going to be really fast. I haven't done anything. I've been sick, literally, since last Sunday. Uh, The most recent hobby we did was a week ago Wednesday when we did the second part to our uh, sit-rep skirmish battle, uh, where I was fortunate enough to have both of my sons join me. So, um, and Jim, you won, I believe, or at least a draw. Uh, yeah, the uh, the upset of the decade. Well, I think it was mostly Jesse doing it uh, doing it on his end. Yeah, it was definitely better than I was doing on week one. Week one, <laughs> I was losing so bad, and then uh, yeah, he turned it around. So that was great. Yeah. So uh, that's that's all the hobby I've been doing. I've had no energy and could barely breathe. And like I said, I lost all the sense of taste and smell on Friday. So I thought for sure I had gotten the, the COVID. But you know, I'm I have my vaccination. So you know, but there's still always that slight chance. So I am good. So, um, Gaz, let's Wait. start with you. Um, so work's been busy. Yeah, uh, I've had my second vaccination and that kicked my ass for two and a half days, which was quite funny. Uh, or not in the case of being in bed for a long time. I've done a bit of printing. Um, I'm looking at doing some sort of period ships. You know the sort of the three masters. Um, oh, looking really? at what games and rules that we can have a play around with that. So that's pretty much what I've been doing in the recent, most recent things, and continuing to build a second printer for scenery. Wow, very nice. What kind of printer are you building? Uh, I'm still building the Prusa. Oh, you're still uh, working on that? Mark III. Gotcha. Yeah, it, it, it took a sort of a back burner when, because I reckon it's all in, it's probably going to take me about 10 hours 
to build in bits and bobs. So it's um, just finding that sort of dedicated time to do all of that. Right. And not make a mistake. So I've been taking my time. It's not been a priority for me. I've been printing for other people, helping people out, and doing a bit of hobby here and there. Very cool. But I've definitely got the bug back to start picking up small things. So I'm looking forward to, to getting in amongst it again. Excellent. All right. Uh, Chris, how about you? Any hobbying recently? Nope. I haven't been playing with any toy guns because I've been doing a lot of work with uh, some real guns. Oh. Yep. My um, uncle passed and uh, we're transferring uh, a lot of his stuff over to my house. Gotcha. A lot. So <laughs> anybody in the, this half of the uh, Western Hemisphere, if you want to know where all the ammunition is, it's at his house. It is not. It is not. <laughs> Just the primers. Just the primers. All right, Marty, you're up. Well, the quick and easy, uh, I have not done almost anything uh, other than live vicariously through other people via the interwebs uh, since the convention because my work schedule has been out of control. It is uh, SWAT season here, and at work we certify three SWAT schools, and they're all meeting. Gotcha. Yeah. And, of course, none of them are close to each other. Of course. So, uh, yeah, I have not done much, and I will, I'm going to be staying on that horse until – the last week of the month. Gotcha. So I am looking forward to that winding down. Mm-hmm. Well, are you, able, goes... to, are you able to hold any of your uh, models yet? I'm sorry, am I able to what? Hold on to your um, whatever you're painting. Oh, well, yeah. So I've got a, uh, I've also got a pinched nerve in my neck still, although that is uh, progressing nicely. Physical therapy works, at least for me. Uh, I still have some numbness in my left hand, so it makes it a little challenge to hold small detailed things, but, That's uh, what she but said. getting better. <laughs> Damn. So, so it's going to be that kind of show. All right. <laughs> but, uh, no, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm getting there slowly, but surely. All right. Well, when isn't it that kind of show? <laughs> All right. Fair enough. <laughs> I can't really argue with that one. We, we the range is hot. The range is now hot. <laughs> Look for the red flags as you enter. Oh, uh, so the Midwest the division of SitRub Podcast has held up the tradition of not doing much hobby this week. Uh, so that so leaves us to the. Where, where, what are the left and right limits on this range? <laughs> there are no limits. All right, Mr. Jim, save us. We've been doing uh, a fair amount of hobby, in fact. Um, recently, uh, we've done some community war games uh, for Anzac Day. To commemorate Anzac Day, we did a, a game of Sitrib Skirmish um, commemorating Operation Astute. That is one of the many times that Australian Special Forces and uh, some of their regiments have been into East Timor mm-hmm. uh, for some of the unrest there. So we did a strike on uh, a village in East Timor where we were trying to uh, capture a a historical, I want to say insurgent because he was a trained regular officer. He was a renegade or a rebel or whatever the word is, a breakaway um, uh, operative. Um, So that was a lot of fun. That was with an actual person in Australia, Yeah, uh, my friend Dylan. 
So that was fun to do on uh, on Anzac Day. We've been doing a couple games of Arab Israeli Wars. We got uh, Bernhard who uh, joined us for uh, a game of Arab Israeli Wars. We recreated the uh, annihilation of the 25th Egyptian Independent Armored Brigade at the Battle of Bodser. Um, I think that was on 17 October 1973. That's part of the Yom Kippur War. Yeah. Uh, we also did uh, the Bitter Lakes, not too far from where that um, container ship got hung up in the uh, canal uh, in later years. We also did uh, a game with uh, our friend Piotr uh, in Poland um, for the Battle of Chinese Farm, or at least part of the third day of the Battle of Chinese Farm. We certainly did, didn't try to do all of it. That would be a huge project. Possible, but a huge project. That battle went on for three days. Yeah. That's tough to do in Arab Israeli Wars. Um, but we did that in, um, in Arab Israeli Wars. Uh, both of those videos are up for people who are interested. Um, for Mother's Day, there wasn't a whole lot of people. Um, people were taking care of, uh, you know, taking care of their loved ones uh, on Mother's Day. So uh, we just did um, some solo gaming uh, where we recreated uh, the 80th anniversary of the German invasion of Crete. And um, I got my teeth kicked in bed by the AI. I can't believe I lost it to a computer. But <laughs> well, I didn't. I didn't lose. I no. failed to achieve all, all, all my uh, all my objectives. I was playing the, the Germans in Crete. And uh, yeah, if you know anything about Operation Mercury, the Germans really had a rough ride um, on Crete. And uh, building a lot of scenarios uh, for another uh, project that I hope to uh, be able to talk about later on in the year um, that we'll get into at that time. Um, it is taking up a lot of my time, though. Yeah. Uh, nevertheless, uh, we're still doing some gaming later today where we'll be playing um, uh, the U.S. Navy versus the Chinese Navy in a theoretical scenario, say, 2025 or so, uh, in the Spratly Islands using Rory Crab's Naval Command. So I'm uh, looking forward to that um, later on this afternoon. That's awesome. That's very cool. So, yeah, uh, be on the lookout for announcements. and. Like I said, uh, you know, Jim's been very busy behind the scenes with a lot of little projects and big projects. And uh, one of the most recent projects is he published a, an extension for Valor and Victory in the modern era. Um, fully supported or uh, with the blessing of um, uh, who's uh, yeah. uh, uh, Barry, uh, Barry W. Doyle. Thank you. Um, so that's awesome. So there, uh, look for other announcements and things to go. So, um, yeah, thanks, Jim, for uh, picking up the slack, as always, you know, from the slackers here in the Midwest. So, um, you know, Gaz, we've missed you, buddy. Oh, thank you. Oh, no, I know it's coming. Yeah. <laughs> it's news time with here Gaz. we go. Give me the latest and greatest news. Oh, boy, oh, boy, it's news time with Gaz. Come on, give it to me. Give me the news. You know, when somebody lays a bear trap and you just step in, you're an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, come on. You uh, know you love it. (laughs) Um, The news. Yeah, we've got quite a bit this week. Yeah, Um, you do. Doing a bit of catching up, um, covering as sort of a nice expanse of different periods as well, I hope, for people. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to kick it off with uh, Grey for Now Games, who do Test of Honor. Mm-hmm. They've recently done some updates, and we're starting to see some more miniatures being released. Uh, in their plans, uh, coming up to sort of summer now, um, we're going to see some more uh, Ashigaru. Um, we talked about the uh, particular ones that were carrying the heavy muskets last time. 
the Zoltz uh, uh, or Zutsu, I want to say it's pronounced. And this time we're moving on to, they're basically fleshing out the range and a lot of the poses. Okay. So we're seeing some more samurai, we're seeing archers, spearmen, musketmen. Um, we're starting to see a real expanse into the range so that you can field variations. And I, I really like that aspect of, of any game, really. I'm not a big fan of repeat sculpts. So I sure. think it's a, it's a great move forward to flesh these areas out. In addition, they've been taken under the wing of a parent website. So Sarissa Precision now will be posting out their orders. Oh. And I think that's a big step because I think it's pretty much a one-man band up until that point or a small team. Mm-hmm. And to have that transition will surely help, one, with volume, and two, with the waiting times for items to come through. So looking forward to seeing more from them as they continue to grow in this sort of next era of the company. And uh, if you're into feudal Japanese gaming, hit their Facebook page up because there's always stuff going on there. Questions are posed and answered there. It's a, it's an active forum. Very cool. Are they going to have like an exclusive line of terrain from Sarissa then if they're partnering? Do you know? Uh, I believe that they already have some tied into it, but uh-huh. I think Sarissa had already produced a generic set. Gotcha. So they already have stuff like the houses mm-hmm. and what the, I want to say it's the gate. It's, those um, monuments that were set out, um, the Tory. The, yeah, as you enter their land, you yeah. would pass underneath. It would be good luck of entering their land, etc. Oh, very cool. And uh, on larger estates, they used to build in hidden hidden points for archers and such as a form of protection or assassination. <laughs> <laughs> so interesting times. Excellent. Okay. Uh, moving quickly on, um, I'm going over to Perry's Miniatures for the War of the Triple Alliance. We've covered this one uh, before, the War of South America. Uh, Jim, I know you and I have chatted a little bit about the different aspects of this and the fact it's normally not widely covered, so it's really good to see somebody producing a considerable amount of models for that range between Paraguay, Brazil, um, and Argentina. And they basically added in the artillery pieces now. So we've touched on their range of infantry in the past, and they've started to bring in light cavalry. They've since brought in cavalry, and now we're moving on to their foot artillery. And one of the pieces uh, particularly like is the Brazilian foot artillery piece that's got actually a French gun. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks quite lightweight and manageable for moving around quite heavy or dense terrain. And I think it was uh, used to, to great effect to get to places you wouldn't normally expect an artillery piece to be as we know them, you know. Um, it's, a, it's a real interesting period of time, you know, battles all over the place, real mixed lines. It's, uh, it's got a considerable 28 mil range now as well. Very cool. Interesting. All right. I think the other thing I really like about it yeah. is just the, the colors is the color schemes for the different forces are so so strong. It's the typical sort of blues, reds, but in amongst it, you've got some a right mix of, of colors for the units and, and what they wore and the equipment. And the range keeps growing, so you're literally now seeing where you can field large units and, and not really be repeated miniatures. Fantastic. All right. So moving up to North America. Yeah. Yeah, your personal favorite, I think, mm-hmm. of probably this list, maybe. Uh, Warlord Games. 
Epic Battles American Civil War. Now, I know that you may have one or two of these models. Yeah, still. just a couple. <laughs> just a couple. Especially with the amount of thousand. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. Well, we're now seeing the Confederate and the Union Command. So they are up for pre-order. Nice. Uh, within that, you get a, a flag bearer for each of the two nations. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking at the list, you have Robert E. Lee, um, the Sons of the Light Horse, Harry Lee, apparently, which I'm sure you will all be able to tell me a lot more about than I'll know. <laughs> and Thomas the Stonewall Jackson. Mm-hmm. And on the opposite side of the field, can you name the two that they went for? Uh, would it be Grant and Sherman? They've gone for Ulysses Grant, yep. Or McKellen. And, and the other one they went for was George Meade. Really? Okay. Yeah. Interesting choice. I guess um, you got to cover all of them. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be a growing force, you know, of representation over time as well. We're going to see the other stats come in. Yeah. More and more. George, in addition, George Meade is is kind of underrated. I'm actually kind of glad to see that they that they included him in the range. George Meade wins the largest battle of the war. He wins the most decisive battle of the war. And after that, he gets kind of pushed to the side because it's feel or it, it seems like Grant took over for him after Vicksburg, after Grant took over, um, you know, overall command. The thing that most people, I think, kind of overlook is that he never replaces Meade. So even when Grant takes over and he takes over the battle against uh, Lee later on in Battles of Wilderness and so on in 1864, he's in command of the overall Union Army. He never replaces Meade as commander of Army of the Potomac. Meade is always commander of the Army of the Potomac for the rest of the war. So it's actually pretty cool that they uh, that they left him in the set and that they include him uh, in the range going forward. Oh, there you go. I didn't I didn't realize he was still commanding so that that's thanks jim i learned something new today oh. very cool so I what scale is this again it's, i want to say six mil it's 12.5 13 mil equivalent to 15 mil um so oh, yeah. yeah so you've had them in hand haven't you bill well you know we also had a nice long talk with john russell at the little wars yeah. and i can tell you the iron brigade uh box that's coming out i think this month it's up for pre-order. Um, feels like an Iron Brigade. It's all metal. It's not plastics. And oh, great! So hefty. And it's hefty. I tried to run out with this, you know, demonstration sample, but you know, I was too slow. Um, so <laughs> I actually, I John thought he was clamp on him. Actually, I thought he was being kind and giving me a box, and he's like, "Oh no, that's my only box." I'm like, "Damn it!" <laughs> so it's about to end up in your large pocket, right? Like out the door. <laughs> I well, tried. they have a number of items that are up for pre-order now. Uh, the Iron Brigade, as you state, is one of them. The Zwarz Regiment's another. The Cavalry Brigade box, those all stand in at £40. So what, about 50 ish $55. Just yeah. under $50, yeah. And then we see the bundles are back, so they've rebundled. So you can get all three of those box sets, plus some casualty markers, for 120 bucks. Nice. And then, in addition, we've talked about the two commands that are up. Mm-hmm. And also... We're seeing the skirmishers and the dismounted cavalry enter the field. Sweet. So that would be quite nice. Yeah, I did um, ask. You can get small command strips as well now that you'll be able to sort of fit in. Oh, really? So, okay. 
Yeah, so they're doing them as I think looking looking at the pre-order page, and we'll put the links into all of these. Yeah. Um, with the command strips are twelve pound. It looks like it's for five, and that'll give you a a command structure for the centre of your regiment. Nice. And uh, they've even thrown in a couple of extra pieces that'd be good for scenario play in the form of uh, just a wagon being towed by horse uh, and a limber as well. So you get that. Um, protecting a convoy or you start to be able to play around with the with the scenarios a little bit and have some secondary priorities in the battle not just the enemy in front of you very cool yeah i did ask about alternate sculpts for the line infantry you know actually having them firing and loading and stuff instead of just you know marching and he says maybe and i am happy to report that they are coming out with a new era for epic battles outside of the American Civil War, but he wouldn't mention what it was. Um, we tried to drill him down for an answer. I think I know what it is, to be honest with you. Um, but he wouldn't confirm or deny. So my gut check is Napoleonics. I don't know what everybody else thinks, but that seems to be where they would go next. So we'll we see. To watch this space, isn't it? Yeah, we're going to watch this space. All right, what are we going here next here? Moving swiftly forward to something completely different, we're off to Fireforge Games. Now, these guys have been producing better and better detailed and quality miniatures for a very long time. And one of the recent ones that caught my eye is the Byzantine reinforcements in the form of cataracts. Cataracts? That's what you get in your eyes. Cataphract. <laughs> I will say it right once. Um, and these are really detailed cavalry um, from Persia so you're seeing sort of very um, detailed horse covers Mm -hmm. in the form of armor they're the studded um, hanging sort of uh, barding giving quite a high level of protection Um, and the guys on the back are you know just really nicely put together yeah. The more you look at them, the more you sort of see the detail, level of detail that's going into what is a mass-produced plastic, and you're just saying, well, you know, these guys are doing something right. It's it's clear that they're they're moving in the right direction, and they continue to grow and increase detail, and their capabilities getting better all the time. So definitely a site to keep an eye on. They have their own Facebook page. They normally fund through Kickstarter, mm-hmm. but just each sort of block unit or sometimes maybe a, a couple of box sets or four box sets so you can pick and choose kind of if you wanted to pre-order or you can just wait if it's a successful kickstarter for it to come out in their store they're um, they are really nice really nice miniatures Very cool. so okay. something to have a look at if it's not come across your table before so what's nice is uh this is the first time i've actually you know understood what you were talking about before you explained it um, the cataphracts were the ultimate upgrade in Age of Empires. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, heavy, basically heavy cavalry for that era and place in the world. The, the I mean, on their Five Arch Facebook page, some some of the studios have already done some lovely paint jobs on it, um, and there's such an opportunity for the colours. You know, again, just a, a vast array of colour choice to go on to such a detailed model and the details of the model really help make that look good quickly because it's all there to sit inside the cracks of and to catch the details of. So definitely something that you can get to a very high standard very easily. Um, definitely looking forward to more from them. Very cool. All right. So let's switch gears to 
um, the next company here on your list. Yeah, so Triton Noir, a Canadian company, I believe. And they've made a game called V Commandos. And this went to Kickstarter, I want to say, quite a while ago now. Um, it's something that I've just not seen. Um, came across it recently. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they did sort of a re-release or not. It's uh, available on their store, and it's a tabletop board game. Oh, and okay. when you look through the link that we've put in, you'll see it's very top-down visual. So when I look at it, I see the similarities between the the awesome stuff that Jim does um, for stuff like uh, thirteen hours equals thirteen days, and. There's a, an element of tracking. There's individual character cards. The battle space is made up of cards themselves that have got some level of detail on. So it's it's something that caught my eye. Mm-hmm. Um, and i um, put it up here just, although it's in the news and it's not a recent release, it's one of those things that if we don't know about these, these games that are out there, then maybe we'll never try them. Right. So just putting it in here as a form of news was, was, was a choice that I made. Yeah, very cool. Uh, I mean, within it, it is a very commando. It's about sneak, stealth, move around, attack, get rid of the enemy forces. There's up to 50 German markers. They're pretty much individual. You play one of five characters for the look of the game. There's an officer, so I'll never choose that one. There's a sniper, a sapper, a medic, and a scout. So lots lots of stuff to sort of put together, play. I imagine it'd be very easy to expand on the scenarios with the level of detail and the markers that you can use within the game. And even potentially take it to a tabletop setting. We talked about board games. I think the last time I was on, I was thinking of Escape to Cold It. Yep. Mm-hmm. And have transitioning that into a tabletop game. I feel this has got the same option. And more importantly, a lot of people already have miniatures that fit the bill. Yeah, yeah, very true. Uh, very true. Yeah, it looks very interesting. I was looking at it. It kind of reminds me also of Heroes of Normandy, which is a hybrid board game, you know, miniatures, cart, you know, drawn miniatures, not actual miniatures. So um, it's kind of along that lines as well. It's kind of what reminds me of. That's very cool. That's another, you know, option to get somebody to play a, a war game in, you know, in a board game setup. So, yeah, definitely. yeah, moving on to Spectre Miniatures. And before yeah, you start, team favorite. Yeah. yeah, before you start, I have to say I'm very, very jealous of Stephen May because in the most uh, recent issue of Wargaming Illustrated, uh, there's a picture of him playing miniature war games with the Perrys in their war room. And I'm like, what <laughs> the hell? How did he get to be part of their group? But I guess he's doing work for GW, for, according to the magazine. So, okay, yeah. So, well, all right. If we just build our own war room that's better than theirs and stock it, oh, man, it won't matter anymore. That's a big order, Gaz. You need to hurry up and retire. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, with respect to miniatures, I believe you and Marty sort of covered some of the new stuff uh, in the the recent podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to just cover them again because there's an aspect I think may have come out or wasn't. It wasn't mentioned. So, that, Marty, what he's saying is we the, didn't do a good enough job for his newscast. No, well, I talked to Gaz earlier, and I'm like, I don't remember, dude. We should probably <laughs> just hit this again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, let's give the guys their due. That's right. <laughs> he was like, maybe. I don't know. I'm not sure. I was like, okay, we'll just cover it. Because we love the Spectre stuff. Yes. Uh, and the way it fits into moderns, which is where Sit Rep Podcast started. 
shoot it. Is, is, is something that is, is always going to be a connection between the team and this miniature range. Yeah. So they now have insurgent PMCs, um, which I think is a, a great addition to what is normally a peer enemy versus a insurgent rebel, you know, not well equipped force. Yeah. So to bring in a level of uh, private military contractors to that adds a new aspect to a lot of games that can be played. And one of my favorite parts of it is they've also brought in undercover insurgent PMCs, mm-hmm. which allows you to, to, pretty much put guys on the ground and play them out as normal civilians and only change them to uh, enemy forces at the time that that individual turns and becomes that threat. Right. So I think that's a really nice touch. Uh, and and they have a sniper as well, so a, a real sniper. <laughs> yeah. So there's that danger of um, being able to be used in many games to, to block areas off of a channeling. So if a sniper's putting fire into a certain zone, that means you're going to have to transition in a different direction until you get to him or deal with him or counter fire against him. Mm-hmm. So I think, again, just tools, great tools to make scenarios, to make game systems like Battle Space uh, a different, in a, in a different way by having peer enemies within a, a non-peer enemy group. Yeah, that's so awesome. we're talking about a, uh, we're talking about like a villain from the Expendables. Heck yeah! So yeah, we're talking about <laughs> we're talking about guys right? with the <laughs> guys carrying predominantly Soviet-made equipment, you know, but with proper science systems. To be on one them. of us, but then he went dark. Uh, <laughs> now we have to go finish him off. Nice. <laughs> Very cool. But, uh, yeah, really nice model range as always, and great to see something a little bit different. Yeah, most definitely. All right, let's change over to some WW2 action. Yeah, we're almost there, guys. Hold on, hold on <laughs> tight. We're nearly there. Uh, so transitioning through, we talked about it a little while back, the Bagration period for Flames of War has been on the cards for a little while. We've already seen the German book come out, and now they're taking pre-orders for the Axis and Allies forces. In the June period, the book itself in hardback will come out along with a lot of the decals and such, and they're starting off with the Finnish uh, release. So that'll give them a number of equipment options. They're going to follow that up straight after with some Soviet aspects that would be uh, used by those sort of forces and some captured equipment as well. So things like uh, a BT-42 assault gun's in there, a Landsberg anti-aircraft gun is in there as well. And as they continue, this is going to fastball through. They're rolling straight into June, where we'll see the Hungarian starter force come out. Again, mixed force, various stuff, mainly assault guns, which is interesting to see. And from there, they just keep rolling forward into July, where we'll see uh, the Romanian forces coming out. So there's a nice punch of month-after-month releases supporting the Axis and Allies. There's no real gap. It's one force after another force, focusing on specific nations and rolling into the next month. Very cool. Excellent. And last but not least. Last but not least. So I put this up. So Rubicon have done some more great miniatures. Uh, We're seeing female Viet Cong fighters. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I was just looking through. I went back to the Facebook page that they have. And I can honestly say I think that currently, I believe, it's my honest opinion, 
<laughs> that they produce the best detailed World War II miniatures, or historical miniatures, for mm-hmm. that matter of fact. They're, they're, they're new releases. So maybe not if you go back into the range to stuff that was released years ago. Right. They may still look the same. But what they're releasing now is just stunning. It's just lovely. You know, it's, it's highly detailed. It's got dynamism to the model poses. There's thought being put into it. There's characters being brought out. There's, there's just so much to look at and so much to appreciate. And I think they're even starting to cover in detail where other companies never really go. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm looking here on their site now, and there's a PBR 31 Mark II patrol boat. Yep. That's, you know, for, for the, I presume, for the Vietnam era. Yes, it is. And it's, it's just there. It's all there. Details are there. You know, the, every part of that boat looks like it should be. Uh, when you compare it to the photos, when you look at the small things, it, it's all there, even to the weather indication stuff and, and the gun mechanisms. <laughs> It's it's just a lovely level of detail from their model range, and that then took me on to look more into you know their their infantry. Yeah. And you look at the United States Marine Corps that they have and the plastic samples, and you know the guys are aiming. They're aiming down iron sights. They're holding weapons correctly. Mm-hmm. They're breaking cover. They're in a kneeling position as if they've just stopped and they're herringbone on a road. It's it just has a I think a level of realism that you you. Is not consistent in any other range currently. That uh, I know of. Yeah, I agree with you. I th- I'm extremely impressed with the uh, previews we've been seeing for their Vietnam models. Um, you know, I was just looking at the page as well, and you know, the USMC guys uh, look right. Weapons look right. Nothing's you know heroic um, from what we're seeing. Uh, the Huey, the D model, looks perfect from what I can see. Uh, the PBR is, you know, makes you think of Apocalypse Now and never get off the boat. You know, exact same thing. You know, the riverine, uh, the river rats and all that stuff. So there's definitely a lot of promise there. Um, now it'll be a matter of when it's released and putting it on a table and doing some, uh, you know, battles with it. So, which, you know, then we have to look at what rule set do you use, um, you know, specifically for Vietnam, some force on force. Um, you know, maybe some of these other ones that are out there, uh, was it Charlie doesn't surf, um, by, mm-hmm. um, you know, two fat lardies. Um, so yeah, we'll have to see. So yeah, it really yeah I mean, very promising. For me, I'm, I'm sold enough to be, I'm looking at what I want as a summer project. Uh-huh. And I think with the Vietnam terrain that we got through the wild buildings, Kickstarter that I purchased, yeah. I think that, you know, I'm going to go to Vietnam. I'm going to pick up some Rubicon, U.S. Marine Corps. I'm going to pick up some Viet Cong. And uh, like you say, maybe look at some rule systems and test a couple of rule systems out so you can get some video. Make make a nice jungle board, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Go over to Terrain Tutor, check out how he did his Burma board, and uh, and go down that route. Yeah, See what we can do. Heck, I mean, you know, there's some promising terrain out there, uh, you know, the wild buildings especially. Um, I would be looking to recreate uh, the outposts from the Green Berets and redoing that battle. So, wow. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be plucking at Jim's uh, gray matter for what's what's doable at 28 mil uh, as a skirmish or, a, or an engagement. There you go. There's I think a, we need to do Firebase Gloria. Yeah. 
Oh god, that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Time for a change of command. <laughs> I'll tell you what, if you're if you're if you're seriously interested in doing Marines in Vietnam, um there are definitely options besides jungle. The Marines were only in a, in a certain area of Vietnam where jungle was believe it or not surprisingly scarce. Okay, cool. A lot of big fire bases where they cleared out a lot of the jungle, like Quezon, um, and a lot of urban terrain, you know, Way City, uh, and, and places like that. So, yeah, I mean, jungle is always going to be a thing in Vietnam, but there are certain parts of Vietnam, especially where the Marines were, where some people might be surprised at how much jungle there wasn't. So you've definitely got options uh, as far as that table goes. Sweet, sweet. Very and cool. that's kind of the roundup of the news. Right. The last piece is more news on what they keep making, but definitely visit the Facebook page for Rubicon, visit their website. Their Facebook's a little better, actually, than the website for mm-hmm. posting the images. So I would advise to go there rather than the uh, the website initially, but to get the prices, you'll go to the website. Yeah. But, yeah, what a great what a great range. I'm seeing more now in, in more and more indies as well. More and more independent stores are stocking it now. Yeah, very nice. Awesome. All right, so we're going to change gears and go into our discussion topics. And Gaz, you created the list this week, so we're going to let you start it off, sir. Balls, I need to stop doing that, then I'm not first. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so my first part for the discussion was um, uh, over here in the UK, we're starting to get into levels of some normality in relation to COVID. And my basic question that I wrote down was, uh, with parts of the world beginning to come out the other side of COVID and vaccinations continuing, has your attitude changed towards gaming post-COVID? And if so, how? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think in some ways it has changed to just from the aspect of, I feel myself drawn to converting games to either being able to play solo because obviously you don't have opponents or re-exploring older games, you know, that has been sitting there on a shelf somewhere and looking at them, you know, like I was talking to Jim the other night um, at little wars, I picked up two Avalon Hill games. Um, I picked up um, Africa core and I picked up midway and I remember midway from my childhood but I don't remember the exact details of playing. I just remember there was, you know, large rectangular chits that were your ships and et cetera. And when I was reading through the rules, it's like, holy crap, this is just an advanced battleship game. You know, you have a search grid and you call out your grids and all that stuff. And then you go to this battle map. So I was thinking, how do I make this better in modern world and use miniatures to do it? So it, I think it made me more creative in many ways. Oh, that's cool. Marty? I am looking forward to real games firing up with real people face-to-face across a, a table. And that, that that sort of happened, well, you know, Little Wars, that happened on a limited scale there. You know, it's a scaled-back event for them. But some of our local gaming groups are now starting to plan uh, <laughs> game days, Uh some of the guys have already kind of gotten together on the side. You know, it's their small group of folks that they they know and trust and they feel safe with. And I think that's going to continue to expand, and I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I agree. I, um, you know, some in-person gaming will be cool. 
uh, I still trying to kick around the idea if we should start our own gaming club, you know, and, you know, around here because we yes. have a pretty robust yes. population yes. that we could get. Yes. Of course you should. Yeah, so, no, I'm not even there, and I'm saying yes. yeah. And I, I'll be honest with you, I'm looking forward to the possibility of Adepticon next year. You know, um, yes, that's gonna be lit. I can already tell you that uh, they've, you know, the planning committee met for the first time last Sunday. Um, unfortunately, we missed the meeting, but uh, you know, they're talking hotels and all that stuff. So it's it's in, in gear right now as we speak. So, but yeah, I, I think gaming club. I'd like to have a real gaming club. You know, not just people that hook up at the store. I'm talking about a club where you have members, you have a president, you know, yada, yada, yada. So, um, yep. So, yeah. Sounds like a plan. Yeah. Chris? Well, uh, you know, I stole a little bit of my thunder. I'm really looking forward to the uh, conventions and, you know, those, the bigger gatherings and seeing a lot of the stuff that you can't find. You won't you won't stumble across on your own, like until, yes, until you mentioned stuff like uh, Rubicon games and stuff like that. A lot of that you have to stumble across or, you know, see the, you know, see something else that somebody else has posted. Um, or listen to the sit rep podcast. Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but what was nice is then you have it all in one area or you even see what's coming out. Like the, you know, I keep going back to the uh, Little Wars um, convention, and, and the guy was coming out with uh, that Gettysburg game, and how he how easy he was trying to make it be and everything. Uh huh. It looked like a really good game. Yeah. Yeah. So you like the aspect of sort of discovery that is going to events. You can only achieve almost by going to events and seeing it. You know, being given a demo of it, seeing other people playing it. Yes. So thank you for translating and articulating that for me. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's funny to make sure I got it right. Yeah. Jim, how about you? Um, I'm pretty much going to be the same. Um, there isn't really a gaming community around near where I live. Uh, we lost our one and only gaming store quite some time ago. Um, there are a few more way the hell down in Miami, but I'm not going to drive that far, to be honest. Um, so yeah, I mean, things are pretty much going to plow on this forward. Uh, maybe heading up to Chicago, maybe going to, I mean, I'm not really a convention guy to be honest. Uh, that's not really my thing. Um, but you know, maybe going up to Chicago, uh, and hook up with you guys, you know, for a little bit when, you know, the airlines become, when it becomes a little bit safer to travel and stuff like that. Yeah. My second shot is tomorrow. So I'm looking forward to the aftermath of that. <laughs> um, and then, you know, two weeks after that, I should be good to go. So, you know, looking forward to it, definitely. But well, as far as me personally, I don't think too much is going to change. Yeah. I mean, you do a lot of gaming regardless, don't you? Through, yeah. And you put it on for the community to watch as well. Yeah. Which um, yeah, COVID has not slowed me down at all. Uh, that's very <laughs> true, Yeah. If, so, if anything, it sped us up because everybody else can't go to the club. They say, well, there's that risking me guy. I guess I can waste some time right? with him or something. <laughs> if Did, anything, when the world yeah. comes back to normal, I'm going to slow down. So, yeah, uh, that. Well, there is the – Jim uh, might be uh, looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah. He was, on, the, he was on fire earlier this year. Will we have a 2022 Valentine's Day massacre? Ooh, see, I was just going to say, should we try again? 
And I, I, I think we should. I think we should start planning it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. Gaz called it. We need to get spouses' permissions first. Yeah. Hold on a minute. Dawn, we're having a gaming weekend in February 2022. Okay, she says. <laughs> yeah, I heard that clearly. <laughs> yeah, I'll start booking flights again. Uh, <laughs> so, was sir? that okay or okay? No, it was okay. But, you know, she's as hoarse as I am, so, you know. Uh, all right, so before we move off this, Jim, I wanted you to know that uh, your work has been greatly appreciated. Uh, there is a gentleman that's posted some comments on YouTube, uh, Mr. Khan, who says, um, I love your voice, Jim. You are an awesome teacher. Much appreciated. I recommend joining the Discord. So, Yeah, he's joined our Discord. So, yeah. Um, who knows? We may even see some uh, some pains leader with him uh, in the not too distant future. Very cool. Um, you know, our Discord continues to grow. Uh, so yeah, we're doing pretty well uh, on our Discord channel. That's where you know I think a lot of people come for that immediate interaction and feedback. Yeah. Um, our traffic on our Discord is way up, not only in members but just like the frequency of yes, it is. Whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, I can't complain about Discord. Our Discord's doing pretty well. No, and so we is YouTube. We now have 68 members at Discord. Nice. We're getting up there. Yeah. And Jim talks to them all for us. <laughs> <laughs> I do weigh in now and again as soon as I get time and I see them. I think it's because my time's different to a lot of the guys on there. Um, but um, I, I got a message yesterday. Posted on the message yesterday, but didn't post till this morning because when the reply had come through, it was about three in the morning. I was in bed. Yeah, but it's um, it's 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 a it's a great tool. I think it's it's excellent for communities to interact with people that host as well as interact with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've I've seen some of the other discords out there, and and ours is very good. Um, it's it's got a real nice community feel to it. So if you're interested, guys. Hit us up with the information if you need it. I will put a link in this and uh, join the Discord. Yes, most definitely. It's it's very robust, and uh, Jim does a great job of uh, you know meeting up with the members and you know giving them uh, information. And you know people are sharing their gaming and their projects, and there's some really great stuff on there. So uh, make sure you check it out. So awesome work, everybody! And we are at five sixty five for subscribers on YouTube. Uh, we've really, wow. you know, picked up. So we're we're once again for the second year in a row going to hit our yearly goal right at the end of June, which is awesome. So I don't know if we need to set more aggressive goals or <laughs> no, don't burn it. Don't I, burn I, it. I, I, was, I was gonna say I, I, they have to be achievable, Jim. Let's let's keep it where we're at. We're doing good, <laughs> and we're and we're about there on the Facebook side. Yeah, four eighty eight. Yeah. I think we're at. So yeah, we had. 10 or 11 more followers this week. Yeah, and I can tell you what, the convention definitely helped. Um, Being at the convention, we saw a spike. Uh, We lost a couple here and there, but, you know, as people were curious and checked us out and maybe it wasn't their cup of tea or whatever, but we definitely uh, saw benefits from the Little Wars. So um, it definitely helped. All right. Um, Moving on to the next topic. Did you have anything else you wanted to close out on yours, Gaz, or are you good? No, no, I think we've, uh, we've... Flogged that horse to death. <laughs> All right. So, um, we still need an end 
to the news thing, don't we? An end? No. Finish the news. That was the first discussion question. Rubicon was the end of the yeah. news, and it wasn't quite news as much as a statement of go check them out because there's always something new on there. The quality is ridiculously good. Yeah. No, I think Chris is saying that you need you have an intro. You need an oh, outro. An now. outro. Oh. No, I do not. I'll work on that. <laughs> I think you do. <laughs> You just need a, an intro to the discussion. There you go, instead. <laughs> Preferably not aimed at me. <laughs> well. All right. So uh, for the next topic, um, I throw this question out to you guys. Who or what was your greatest influence into getting into wargaming? And how would you pass on that excitement to the next generation? Could, could you say that again, please, without sounding so Wolfman Jackish? I wish I could. Uh, who or what was your greatest influence to get into wargaming? Or how do you pass that excitement on to the next generation? So I'll start it off just to get the ball rolling. Um, my earliest memories are of my dad and my uncle playing these games. Uh, they've sitting at the dining room or kitchen table, and they had this map out on the table with these weird-looking squares. And on these squares was a map. And on this map, in these little weird-looking squares, you got to remember I was probably like five or six at the time, uh, they had these um, little paper chits, squares themselves, with weird designs on them and all these numbers. And, you know, they were taking all these time, all this time to move all these little pieces around on this map. And they would roll dice and they yell at each other and say, aha, and oh, you can't do that or no, that odds or that, you know, obviously they were having a good time. And, you know, so I would sit there and watch and not understand a damn thing that was going on, but they were having a good time doing it. And, uh, that was my first introduction into Avalon Hill. And then later they decided to move on to miniature war gaming because my dad and uncle, they liked to paint miniature, you know, toys, lead soldiers, you know, back in the day. And uh, so, you know, they started casting their own uh, lead soldiers, um, you know, Civil War and Napoleonic stuff. And they have these great battles on the basement floor. So that's how I got into war gaming. And, you know, I looked forward to when my uncle would come over to our house or we'd go to his and, you know, have these game days um you know i think the first game they actually let me play with them was circus maximus uh if you guys know that one um from avalon hill it's a chariot racing game because uh, it's not overly complicated really in the base format so um, i remember that to this day and so my question is you know that was obviously my greatest influence is how do i pass that on the next generation well with my kids it was easy you know they've been gaming most of their life because they see me gaming with their or their uncle gaming you know he played 40k um so you know they they liked the 40k world um you know so and now i just got gave cody uh, a specter miniatures starter set so um he took that and he's all excited to play that and jesse's got some too so i'm passing it on to them how about you guys Trying to think well, when my first uh, experience was, to be honest. Uh, I'll, give, I'll give you a second to think, guys. Mine's pretty easy. So, uh, <laughs> Phil is the one that got me in. <laughs> you know, so, uh, you know, when I was in 
uh, junior high and high school, I played a little bit of D and D with uh, some of the other geeks, and then uh, I moved my freshman year, and then uh, I actually had some very peripheral exposure to gaming over at Bill's house uh, when I was in high school uh, with the stuff that his dad was doing, and then I went about my life for about hmm, thirty years, and then uh, you know knowing that Bill was doing this a little bit. And then I went to Adepticon in 2019, and uh, now I'm fully on board. That's the, the, the Reader's Digest version of my uh, gaming career, if you will. You know, And, the, and as far as passing it on, uh, you know, my, my kids are not interested in tabletop miniature uh, war gaming so much, but uh, like my oldest daughter uh, we have the harry potter miniatures game she's a she's a harry potter fan so we we played that uh, a little bit uh i've got crisis protocol because my other daughter is a huge marvel geek so we've got that and uh you know the not exactly the same stuff that we do here on the podcast but it's gaming still yep mm-hmm. you know so uh gotten gotten them into it a, a little bit and then you know, we'll, we'll see how, you know, how that takes off with them. Yeah. Yep. Um, for me, it was mostly, um, all you guys, um, also, you know, getting older, not doing the stuff as real life, you know, uh, doing the war games when you're at, uh, Hohenfels and, you know, stuff like that, you know, that's cool. You know, seeing the, the tanks running around. Well, you get to a point where you're not doing that anymore, and uh, it, it's still fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about you, Jim? Oh God, um, I think it was 1984. Um, I was always uh, very, very heavily, obviously, into uh, in history, even when I was like five or six. Or well, maybe not five or six, but six or seven, definitely. I think I watched my first episode of like GI Diary. Uh, Bill, do you remember that show from back in the day? Vaguely, vaguely. Um, yeah, and I was like, oh my god, what's going on with all this? And anyway, since then I was always into it. And my parents were always just like, yeah, oh, that's that's kind of weird. We have we have a weird kid, but that's okay. <laughs> um, but my uncle, uh, I guess, kind of picked up on this. He had some some similar. Um, uh, interests or whatever. Um, we never actually sat down to play it. Uh, I had, you know, I was playing with my, with my friends in, in junior high school and later on with high school. Uh, but he is the guy who first kind of recognized the interest in me when Evelyn Hill was still really big. And this is back in the early eighties. And he picked me up a set of, uh, he threw me in at the deep end. Um, I, I started off with rise and decline of the third Reich. Jesus. Yeah. That was my first war game. I was 11 years old. Um, I'm surprised I survived. Um, <laughs> it's uh, Avalon Hill used to have a scale from one to ten. Mm-hmm. Um, War at sea, tactics two, things like that. That was scale one. Midway is scale two. No, I'm sorry. Midway is scale three. Uh, Panzer Blitz was scale six. Panzer Leader is seven. Arab is really worse is eight. Rise and decline of the Third Reich is ten plus. Um, the basic rules are 10. By the time you bring in all the advanced rules, it literally breaks the scale. Yeah. Um, it's at least as complicated as advanced squad leader. And you play, like, the entire world. 
uh, or at least all, you know, a, a big slice of Europe. It's, it's, it focuses mostly on the European side of the conflict. And, um, you know, you don't play like a German army, you play Germany or you play, you know, Italy or the Soviet Union or the United States. And, uh, yeah, it takes like a couple hours to set up three or four days or weeks to play. And, um, yeah, uh, from there I was kind of hooked. I uh, got into Panzer Blitz in like 85, Panzer Leader in 87 or so. Um, my dad got me uh, Arab Israeli Wars and Panzer Leader, I think it was in 88 or 89. Um, and I've kept going with it ever since. Um, someone tried to buy me the original red box of, um, of Dungeons and Dragons uh-huh. in like 1983. Tried it a couple of times, didn't like it. Um, immediately switched over to uh, trying to convert it to firearms so I could have like a special forces, you know, Viet Cong game or whatever. Instead of, uh, you know, instead of dungeon crawling, you're like in Viet Cong t- uh, dungeons or not dungeons. Tunnels. Um, tunnels or oh, something. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it didn't really work. <laughs> um, yeah. And then there's been, you know, certain people um, like, that I've gamed with in, the, in in my life or whatever that have uh, like really opened my eyes and says, hey, this isn't just this way. There's this also this other way. I won't mention them all, but but there's at least four or five of them. Going back to 1989, uh, the mid 1990s, um, and then uh, you know coming forward, uh, a huge influence uh, I'll say to be perfectly honest um, was Warren. Uh, when I, I hooked up with um, Beast of War, as it was known back then, mm-hmm. in March of 2014. And um, that kind of contribution was like, hey, this doesn't have to be you just pestering your friends at work to come over to your house after work and you know push little cardboard counters around. You can also do this kind of thing where it's like this online community kind of a thing where you can try things out and reach a lot more people. And I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. I never thought about doing this online. And or like the idea of a wargaming community online, I honestly had never really, really run across that before. And uh, yeah, from there, uh, it comes to a sit rep podcast in the beginning of 2019. So um, yeah, those have been my influences as far as not only whether or not I game, but what kinds of games I play uh-huh. and how I approach it, uh, you know, vis-a-vis the community. You know, it, it, it's, it's funny as you say that. Bringing, Go ahead, Jim. I'm sorry. I was just as far as you know, passing it on to the next generation. I don't really try to pass it on to the next generation. Well, maybe. Um, like I'm not trying to like to get kids involved or whatever, but there are a lot of people out there that like wargaming. They just don't know it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, they play, you know, Medal of Honor. They play Call of Duty. They play PUBG. They play, you know, they watch, you know, these cheesy, uh, you know, movies on TV or whatever. And. Um, you know, the idea that, hey, you can actually take command of that kind of stuff and you can actually, you know, control forces and make those kind of decisions in a simulated environment. Um, that's more than just like an arcade, you know, shoot 'em up game, you know, like Call of Duty where it's just right. basically, you know, Johnny got his gun, you walk around with a, with a rifle until someone snipes you and you're dead. Um, you can actually approach it from a little bit more of a thoughtful perspective. Um, and yeah. Uh, our, our numbers, you know, show the story. We're we're reaching more and more people every day. Uh, literally, our numbers, you know, tick up a little bit on a daily basis. Yeah. You only hope that we're reaching more people and passing it on to the next generation in a way. I mean, sometimes these people that join our group are older than me, so I feel strange calling them <laughs> the next generation. But um, you know, to a to a new group of uh, to a, to a new group of gamers. 
put it that way. Yep, most definitely. Uh, you know, it's funny you say that about, you know, your story about Warren and the online gaming. You know, because do you remember back in the day you played a lot of Avalon Hill games via mail? You know, they did a lot of uh, stuff Avalon Hill way, you know, by mail. Um, the reason I bring this up is not only what you said is that in the Midway box that I bought, there are actual letters and gaming turn sheets from 1962 in there for different games um, when they wow. were playing it by mail. So um, I thought that was pretty cool. A little bit of gaming history right there. So You would play it by mail, and for dice mechanics, you would um – because obviously you, you, you couldn't roll a dice, take a picture of it, put it in an envelope and send it over or whatever. Uh-huh. But you would watch certain companies in the stock market. I'm really? actually not kidding about this. Yeah. And you would look for like numbers, like the last digit of the of the uh, stock price or something. Something that is impossible to predict, like the tenths of a cent or whatever. You know, And that would be, yeah, There's I can't remember the details, but it had something to do with looking at certain, like you would agree... Like to look at a certain company in the stock market and just watch that price. And whatever the date is on Wednesday, April 17th or whatever, the last digit in the stock price, that's your D10 roll or, or something like that. Oh, wow. Because um, how, how are you going to roll dice via mail? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, that part I didn't see in the in the paperwork. But they had, you know, all their unit counters, you know, were drawn out of this paper and then they would put in the hex, you know, uh, numbers to where they moved or whatever so uh it seemed like a very labor intensive thing you know so you did one turn and then you sent it off to the next guy and vice versa so it was very interesting to see um so it's it was very cool. a time boys and girls before the internet we call it the dark age <laughs> but there was a time before the internet yeah so yeah it was very interesting to see that you know gaming always adapts um you know, if, if there's if there's a will, there's a way to game. So, I want to you know follow up my uh, discussion question with one other thing. Gaz, did you find your influence? I don't think you ever answered. I um, I don't think I have one. I my, neither of my parents played games, huh. and even until I went to what probably age was I fourteen, fifteen, uh-huh. the school there is probably the first time I was exposed to it. But I was already trying to do things at home as in we used to get the green plastic soldiers and lay them all out on the carpet and then throw pens at them to knock them over. Yeah. Um, And so that was kind of the beginnings for me. And then that moved into other, other, other ranges. Uh, The one I'm thinking of is called Manta Force, which was a plastic sci-fi range. Mm -hmm. That was just something you bought from your local toy store. You know, it was, and we did something similar with that. And then from there, I think maybe my history teachers got me into it because I do remember vaguely we got taught about the symbols for a regiment and symbols for a battalion. And I was fascinated by it to the point I went up into the attic, laid out some boards, uh, got some flock, flocked one of the boards and cut out of card having drawn on all the symbols and colored them red and blue and pretty much played a home brewed um, tabletop game at about 12 years old with dice and numbers. A, a regiment had a certain value for attack and defense and maneuverability. And 
really, I, I think that's where it started for me. So I can't pin down the influence, but uh -huh. I can only think that it was one of my one of the history teachers that taught me that in a lesson or showed us in a lesson, and I just that was it. It was in the grey matter, you know. The uh, the neurons were firing, and and that was where it started for me. Very cool. Um, so not really a specific thing, but mm -hmm. I definitely a history teacher taught me something that captured me. As to passing it on to the next generation, I think we're kind of doing it in the form of what we're doing now. I mean, Jim said not passing on, but in many ways, or not, not passing on deliberately, should I say. The content that's on the internet now will always be there. Somebody will search for that for, for the next however many decades. Yeah. And fine, Jim's you know, introduction to everything from air war, naval, Vietnam, all sorts, which is fantastic. Yeah. And what SITREP will produce now and in the future is the same. So I think producing content that's informative and enjoyable is the best way. Capturing your passion about something helps pass it to the next generation. Very well said. And you yeah. know what? Based on that, I think we'll close out the show. I don't think we can top that one. Actually, uh, I, I do have a couple uh, things to point out. Um, one, uh, you guys were talking uh, earlier about uh, the taking the turns by mail. And one of the things I, you know, you, you notice, especially looking back, you know, it was by mail, but it wasn't, um, it didn't feel that out of different with everything else at that time. Everything when we were younger was slower. Yeah, that's you know, true. Instant gratification. You know, now, oh, the new season just dropped, so you can binge watch the whole season. Right. You know, growing up, everything, you waited. It's true. It's and, very true, yeah. And it, it didn't seem to be that that wrong or that bad. And to to this day, I don't think that's a, a bad thing. No, I agree. That's a good point, Chris. That's a very good point. So, oh. And I might have a couple of uh, lambs to the slaughter. I've got a couple of nephews that uh, will be coming by. So uh, one was by yesterday, and uh, he thought the studio looked pretty cool. Awesome. Very good. And cool. I'm like, hey, you ever play? He was like, no. Because it is really cool. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of uh, Call of Duty and other stuff like that. And, you know, you're talking about Call of Duty. There's people who like the Call of Duty aspect, but sometimes you want a little bit more. So you do the Rainbow Six where you're doing more of the tactical stuff ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is that, that trans, uh, transition. You know, hey, let's, let's take it one more step. Yeah. Yeah, very good. All right, guys. Unless anybody else has any final thoughts, we're going to go ahead and close out this show. We want to thank everybody for joining us. Um, make sure you be on the lookout for our merch store coming soon. Um, I'm working on some final designs on our second edition T-shirts. There's a couple of the first editions that will be available. i got to get T-shirts out to Gaz and Jim. Um, coffee mugs will or tea mugs, however you want to use them, will be coming out shortly as well. Um, so we're working on that as well. Uh, things just got put down a little bit slower because of uh, the colds, illness around here, but we're working on that and we'll get through that very soon. Um, 
thank you guys, everybody, for uh, joining us on this episode of the podcast. Um, make sure you look out for Jim's uh, Sunday afternoon gaming. Uh, what do you have gaming today again, Jim? Sorry about that. I was on mute again. Yeah, that's all right, um, bud. Today we are, again, looking at, uh, we're calling it Skirmish and the Spratleys. So I'm sure you guys are familiar with what the Chinese have been up to out in the Spratly Islands and mm-hmm. the South Pacific. Um, and along with some other countries, everyone's kind of jumping on that boat, no pun intended, so to speak. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, tensions are getting high. That's a very, very... Um, it's not like the Persian Gulf or the Suez Canal. It's not one of those waterways that everybody hears about. But I can promise you this. In the next five to ten years, you're going to be hearing about it a lot. Um, all the oil that goes to all the economies of the Pacific Rim go through there. That's, you know, Taiwan, Korea, Japan, uh, China. You know, walk into any Walmart, pick up any item on the shelf that was made in one of those countries. Those countries don't have any oil. So all the oil comes through from the Persian Gulf, comes up through the South China Sea there. And China is literally building islands yeah. out there to, um, to start to take control of that water. And other countries are getting upset, and they're doing it as well. And before you know it, there's a lot of new real estate, and it's all very close together. And it's only going to be so long before somebody pulls the trigger when they're not supposed to. Yeah. And we're going to be taking a look at that later this afternoon. Very good. That would be an interesting thing to watch and learn about. So there you guys go. So Sunday afternoon gaming with Jim, and then Wednesday uh, night we have our live stream. Um, Jim uh, was kind enough to put up a uh, the uh, Chinese farm videos. Um, so and there was two parts, and the second part came out yesterday or Friday. Um, so make sure you check through that. And then this Wednesday night, my plan is I'm going to be doing a little uh, painting. Um, of the Victory at Sea um, ships. So uh, we'll be looking at that, and I'll probably work on some of the American Civil War stuff too. So that'll be uh, Wednesday night. So until the next time, guys, this is Bill for the entire Sit Rep podcast team. We appreciate you following us. Make sure you like, subscribe, hit the notification bells, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, and we will see you on the next one. Take care. You have been listening to the Citrep podcast. We hope you have enjoyed the show. Make sure you like and subscribe to all of our channels on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, and Discord. Remember to join us every other weekend for a new episode of the podcast. And don't forget our other programming on Wednesdays and Sundays. Thanks for listening. 